They're wonderful. It's like a, it's like Dark Souls. Yes, it's like Dark Souls. We are huddled around this fucking microphone like a fire, like the world has ended, which, you know, we've already had our quota for that for the next five years. The jokes have already been made. <laughs> at length, I think I will always have at least one more in me. I've got a bandolier of that joke. That joke is a part of me now. If I discovered a joke that I was tired of making and tired of hearing, it was that one. Anyway, people of the world. Last time Sam, through anime, brought something else that he loves to you. And I really think that more of life needs to be about me and the things that I'm into. (laughs) And now you're going to be into it. And now you're going to be into it. And you don't have a choice in the matter. Because of colonization, yes. Exactly. I... You are Western Africa, and I'm everyone else. Let's get ready. <laughs> so for my version, the superior version, not really the baseball thing's kind of We're going to be partisan about this? Okay. No, I didn't try to be partisan <laughs> about <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll reel, <laughs> I'll reel it in 10%. But yeah, today we are going to be booking a pro wrestling promotion using anime figures. And I mean up and down the card, men and women's divisions, GMs, announcers, the whole shebang. The whole fucking thing. Now, for those of you who have somehow made it to a rank two weeaboo, which you are if you're listening to an anime podcast, I don't care if you haven't watched a series in the last five years. If you're listening to an anime podcast, you are at least at, at half strength of the anime power chart. I would say that, yes, the... um. The entry level is behind you now. But yeah, for those of you who have made it that far but don't know, when they say pro wrestling is fake, what they mean is scripted. They mean it is a show. It is a TV show. It is a TV show, like almost every other show on television. I would not call baseball, when it is on TV, a TV show, the way that I would call wrestling a TV show. Think of it as such. I could go further, but I don't know, man. Super Eyepatch Wolf exists and you're in theory a weeaboo, so... There's your expanded reading, I if guess. If you haven't had contact with him, you know, watch his shit on wrestling. It's illuminating, if nothing else. It's a good time. It's a good time. So now, we'll start with the simplest matter. The name of our promotion is WHW. Weeboo Hell Wrestling. There's just a long tradition of promotions with two W's and three letters making mass amounts of money and public attention and... Why why break what Ted Turner already built? Also, WHW, you could come up with some really cool-looking graphics for that. Like, have the Ws be part of the H. Yeah, yeah There's, yeah. there's a whole lot you could do with it. You could do that. You could do various intersections. You could just have the three letters plainly laid out. It's a graphic design gift. Said Denard, expert in graphic design. My main graphic design experience is designing fake mayoral campaign posters, which... I'm sure one of them are going to bite back about that eventually, but we'll see where that goes. There's a very good chance that one of you listening has probably already seen one. I have to imagine that we have listeners in New York. At least one. Hello, John. First off, some simple sketching around things. Our ring announcer, just calling people into the ring at the kickoff of our matches here, are Justin Roberts. We decided that we had to go stalker. From G Gundam. It's the, the guy from the G Gundam beginning of 
at the episode. Like, I, I don't know who else it could have been. He's literally, it, it's basically his job to do that, but for Gundam. Suit, eye patch, voice. It's all already there. It already sets the tone that this is going to be Lucha Underground on Mescaline. It's... The, the great thing about Stalker is that he's kind of a character who almost sort of exists in-universe uh, in G Gundam. And that's, that's more or less the, the role of the announcer in pro wrestling. They are not often a character the way that, you know, the wrestlers, the authority figures, even the announce... Not the announcers, I mean, like, the commentators are. The ring announcer kind of is in there and is certainly present but is not treated as part of everything the way that uh, the way that everyone else is and stalker you know yeah. by the same token i think he's only in the episode intros and i think domon interacts with him like maybe once in the intro and it's not really is it in continuity their interaction i don't know i'm not sure i don't think so i'm not sure the writers of g gundam ever concerned themselves with the word continuity or most words. It's a very felt show. Mm. Sidebar. Yeah. In my opinion, the best ring announcer in the business right now yeah. is the lady they have on NXT, who's also a metal band vocalist. And she doesn't always bring that out. But every now and again, it'll be something like a fight pit match. You just say, fight match. <laughs> And it's the best shit. I fucking <laughs> love it. It makes me smile. I don't watch enough NXT. I always know what happens to the people that get called up. We all die eventually, Seb. <laughs> or is that just my mentality? I mean, I don't know. Would you not watch a wrestling show if, like, you knew everyone was going to get hit by a bus at some point 20 years from now? Bad example. Or, I also you know, would not six watch months that show. from now. <laughs> or sit in a room for two years. Ugh. <laughs> oh. So a lot of times hovering over these wrestling shows, I'll explain these a little more fully now, you will have like an authority figure, like a fake owner of the promotion, usually representing just sort of general capitalist access, because there's no resentment bubbling under American society. Although they are usually the um, the actual owner, too. They are often the actual owner, like unless, mis- except for Lucha Underground, which is just Yeah, I think actor. Dario Quaid is just supposed to be... I, I don't think he had anything to do with the actual management of the company. But these are your Dixie Carters. These are your uh, Vince Russo's. These are your Vince McMahon. Oh, who's that third one? I think he might have gone by Mr. McMahon at one point. Oh, Mr. McMahon. Oh, okay. Oh, man. You you love these alternate Mexican names. This copyright <laughs> dodging. Fucking great. And a general manager is a fictional version of, you know, a, your baseball commissioner. The guy who makes the matches. Yeah. There are actual promoters in real life for boxing and for uh, MMA and such that will make matches, that will do what they are pretending to do. Dana White, being a crazy person in real life, has given this role a lot more credibility than it used to have. Yes. It helps. And we decide for the owner of WHW, it had to be none other than... The loving mom herself, Ragyo Kiryuin. <laughs> Who is so perfectly insane. She'd be so amazingly well-suited to owning and running a wrestling company. I think she would announce every fictional lawsuit against her in a different Lady Gaga costume. It's, it's, it's her theatricality, right? It's the pageantry with which she conducts every action. It is the fact that she... Uh, 
will not lower her voice. She it's was very important. She, she was built for this, honestly. And when the writers finally run out of ideas and she ends up in a match, she can run it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And she she she'd look great out there too. It would be it would be a time. We're gonna move into our men's division in a bit. And for that one The GM of the match the division. The matchmaker, right? Mm-hmm. Is going to be Lelouch Lamprouge. Now, <laughs> last episode we were talking about how little suited he would be for baseball, a real sport. <laughs> However, in this case, his, you know, supreme dedication to planning out st- a whole bunch of stupid shit and then <laughs> losing his shit when it goes any way other than he'd planned would actually be perfect. There are no bugs, only features. The drama that comes from that, that's that's what people crave. That would get people to fuck out of their seats. Because when a matchup did not go the way that he expected, when there was an upset win, and he absolutely fucking Does could not handle it. Does he even need to go to a win or loss before he has a breakdown? I think after he said, you better not show up next episode. <laughs> and then Hero Man walks in next episode of his kendo stick and he has a screaming breakdown <laughs> in the middle. He would have the breakdown before the match. He would have the ba- breakdown after the match. If the match turned around, he would have a breakdown during the match. Like the camera would cut away to him, you know, in the gorilla position, just tearing down down the fucking curtains <laughs> breaking things that cost money <laughs> it'd be a good time and i'll save the uh, women's gym for later just to stick just, a little structure we'll space it out a little bit yeah our commentary team shared throughout both divisions so in a commentary team you generally have three people uh one of them is the play-by-play guy he's just calling all the moves as they happen mm-hmm. one of them is going to be the heel commentator the heel commentator thinks that bad things are good. And generally sides with the heel or the bad guy wrestler when they are calling the match. They will talk about the heel wrestler as though they are more sympathetic than they actually are. And will usually insult both of the other commentators as well while doing so. Especially the baby face commentator. And the face commentator is, as it sounds, simply... The face version of that dynamic. He's good things are good. To the good guy. Bad things are bad. So, our heel commentator, the nail in the listener's brain, perhaps too much so, it was irresistible, will be XL XL, the orange haired boombox herself. I don't know when before this, the inability. To shut the fuck up would be such a boon, would be such a uh, such an advantage in one's job. But that she talks all the time at such a volume, at such length, and fangirling over evil people, over one evil person, you know, in the series that she's from, and in and over whoever the fuck evil people just happens to be in the ring. It just the happens to be in the ring. She she's perfect for this perfect her volume settings are 10 and 9.5 which helps the babyface commentator joseph joestar specifically old man joseph who's picked up all his oh my god oh my god you will get a full-on ball god he's broken in half experience every time someone gets super kicked honest to god he'd, he'd be the jr of his time you know it helps to know the moves for the play-by-play, and that's essential. And this guy will have that. 
But I think you'll also just know how the moves feel when they're done on you. He's had enough of that happen to him in his life. He's done enough of both of these things, both taking an ass beating and narrating a fight as the fight happens. It's Krillin, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Your, Sidebar in the flesh. Your play-by-play commentator. Letting that Krillin-owned counter, you know, just just level off a bit from the sideline. Except when, I know, XLXL calls him a cuck or something. <laughs> but she probably will every now and again. I am very confident that a contemporary version of XL Saga would involve her calling at least one person a cuckold. Oh, absolutely. Alright, so... We're gonna talk about some of the solo competitors in the men's division here. Mm-hmm. So... In wrestling, as you can imagine, you need a certain number of wrestlers. You actually need a lot of wrestlers because you have a whole ecosystem of storylines that are going on at a given point. You know, you have people competing for the top title, people sort of in the shuffle, people are there kind of just to lose. You can have too many, although it's easier to have too few. I think when you have a lot of them, sometimes you can have one of them come out and it is more of a surprise when they do. Yeah, Uh, And, you know, surprises are often good in wrestling i'm not going to say always good but they are often good they are often good when it's good it's great and when it's bad you turn off the tv and go do something else in no particular order some of our solo competitors uh there's mob from mob psycho 100 uh he's managed by reagan uh a manager in pro wrestling is the guy who comes out and does the promos for you and, you know, is acts as your, you know, again, quote-unquote manager, much in the way yeah. that someone would have an agent in the acting or music or sports world, right? In theory, he is your king. Uh, in the boxing sense, not the imperial sense. Yes, yes. Uh, Though that theme would probably be viable in pro wrestling. <laughs> if you've uh, watched any amount of WWE in the last 20 years, uh, Paul Heyman is one such person who has managed any number of uh any number of wrestlers right now he is oh, yeah. roman reigns manager lana in her easier times was also one a big thing here is that reagan is managing him as a heel and mob does not know that they are heel <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't actually understand much of this business he's very good but he doesn't really understand yep okay sasuke sagara here we, uh... Also managed by Kaname Chidori. And in a sort of, um, almost inversion of the previous situation, is also instigated into matches by his by his manager because he doesn't want to start feuds, but she keeps on saying things. She keeps talking pissed. all that good shit and gets him into it. I would actually say that he's probably a baby face. She's probably also a baby face. Yeah. But more of like the loud ankle biter type. I assume that he would have a one of the sort of no nonsense MMA infused move sets. Another solo man of ours would be one Rainer Braun, whose body may or may not be slightly based on actual wrestler Brock Lesnar. <laughs> kind of yeah, makes it him could, hard to ignore. It, it could be based on anything. True to his spirit. He was introduced as part of a stable called the Warrior Trio, but he was the only one of them that ever got over. For record, getting over is a wrestling slang for getting popular with the audience. Which is essential. It's essential. You are 
kind of a slave to the life format in a way. It is the blessing and curse of the whole thing. Oh, and uh, backstage, he has an incredible case of imposter syndrome. Honestly, it's starting to annoy the rest of the locker room. <laughs> Our the next member of WHW is someone we, uh, you know, we uh, we poached him from another promotion, but we had to <laughs> repackage him. Well, hold up. Let's, before we talk about the repackaging, let's introduce the guy. All right, so first off, we have, you might have heard of him, uh, one Son Goku. You know, the, the, the guy in the orange. The guy in the orange, he has a cloud. <laughs> Now, throughout his career, because again, we're 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 playing pretend here. We're playing around in this in this space here, in this in this version of his character. He's been in the business for many years. He's been a Hulk Hogan esque figure in the business for many years. Has had many championships as you know the fun, happy go lucky guy who just really wants to fight people. Right? That's his deal. That's his deal. But lately, you know. Because the times are changing, he's been repackaged, which in the wrestling uh, world means that he's basically playing a new version of his character, right? Yeah, yeah. Character development in uh, wrestling is in larger jumps, let's say. And in this case, he's playing a heel version of himself. Specifically, he is Drip Goku. <laughs> he is Drip Goku. <laughs> wearing the Supreme head to hoodie. toe in Supreme. <laughs> He will never wear the same pair of sneakers twice. Uh, Sometimes he will change them mid-match. Sometimes he'll he'll come out in the North Face jacket instead. Uh, He will come out at the end of people's matches and promos, completely unexpected, completely unannounced, and wreck them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they've decided that now that he's a cool new heel, that they're going to go on a very artisanal character development method and make him kind of a silent badass. You know, a silent badass. I see him as a silent badass. Yeah, you know, that's one element of his character, but he's also kind of a silent badass. <laughs> and now someone who's definitely not silent, Seto Kaiba. Who, There's it, a tradition in pro wrestling. I can only trace it back to Gorgeous George, who was someone from, I don't know, the 50s or some shit. Maybe it goes back earlier than I that. I it was earlier than even that. Earlier than even that, whatever. Early, early 20th century is the point. I mean, that is... That is when pro wrestling began. So, yeah. And Gorgeous George was a guy whose things were basically being loud, wealthy, preening, and egotistical. That has been an anchor-type villain in pro wrestling forever. And Every promotion has one at any given time. Yeah, it's where... It's where you get your, I don't know, AEW, MJFs, WWE, Mrs., NJPW Tai Chi's from. Tai Chi, okay, yeah. And this is a long, circuitous way of me saying that Seto Kaiba isn't here for your opinions. <laughs> he isn't here for your rules. <laughs> he is here to talk about himself in the third person. How much money he has. How much money he has. How he's paid people to develop new moves. How he owns 25% of this company. <laughs> And will get his title shots when he damn well wants them. How he is evolving the industry. He is the cutting edge. (laughs) And a level of costume-based ostentation seconded only by Drip Goku. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, heels dress better. It's weird. They often do, yes. So next we have one of Sam's favorites. I'll, I'll, I'll let him roll him into... Our, our little context bubble here. All right, you're going to have to take a ride with me here because 
this is going to take a little bit of... If, if, if you know wrestling, if you watch wrestling, this will be easier to get. If you don't, then you probably watch anime, so it still won't be too difficult to get because it involves a very kind of anime-esque kind of trope to it. I'm convinced at least 20% of you watched Ultimate Muscle because it was on. <laughs> Alright, so Ash Ketchum, right? <laughs> <laughs> he is the perpetual undue... He is the perpetual underdog babyface. He wins about four out of every ten matches. You know, mm. enough that he looks good out there. He looks competitive. You know that he can win, but he just doesn't often enough. He's he's always going for it. He's always talking about how he's going to do it this time. But usually he doesn't. Except, and here's where I'm just getting away from, you know, the version of the character that you know here, but it's going to be something that you will understand. Except... Every now and again, at oh pay-per-views, mostly, <laughs> instead of coming out to the Pokemon theme song. You know the one, just, I want to be the very best, because all, all, uh, all wrestlers have an entrance theme song that plays, you know, when they walk into the ring, right? Instead of that one, instead of that, you hear... So, uh, <laughs> Sam and, is humming a very specific childhood experience, and there. that is, and that is, if uh, if if you did not recognize the tune, the battle theme that plays when you fight Pokemon Trainer Red on Mount Silver, because he does not come out as Ash Ketchum when it's time to get the fuck real. He comes out as Pokemon Trainer Red. His hat, instead of brushed to the side, pulled down over his eyes, and he wins that match. <laughs> so for. For those of you who are both into wrestling and somehow extremely slow, okay, not somehow, that's pretty common in wrestling, this is essentially a take on a McFoley, Finn Balor type who has an alt mode kind of thing. Exactly. And this being anime, you know, it's, it is the super powered side that they often have. Uh, Jujutsu yeah. Kaisen, just the, just the latest uh, example of dude is powerful on his own but more powerful when in his super powered mode who is also an alternate personality very true very true all right next one all right so <laughs> next we have uh another very special one near to our hearts we just put a fucking gene from godhead in here <laughs> he doesn't know that it's fake <laughs> he doesn't know that it's fake he yells every promo with a little too much intensity people are worried sometimes people have to hold him back at the end of a match because they're afraid that he might kill someone <laughs> he has backstage incidents all the time he is in a very genuine way feared and beloved <laughs> By both the the fans at the locker room. I think that the only reason that he is still with the company and not in jail is because the man can fucking draw numbers. <laughs> they would make him champion more if he would stop saying things that they can't explain. <laughs> oh man, keep him the fuck off of Twitter too. <laughs> he is just Mr. Feud. Not necessarily problematic, but he will start shit. So next in our... For no reason. <laughs> For no reason. For no reason. It's like the old Tech 9 song. No reason. Okay. He won't even respond to someone's tweet. He will just tweet at them. <laughs> he'll tweet at them. He'll send, I'm coming for you. <laughs> then he'll send a picture of a driver's view. <laughs> and it's... 
It's not quite in their neighborhood yet, but it's in their town, and he's rounding a corner. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, so you, you want to get eyes on your promotion, so sometimes, you know, you, you want your celebrity guests. You gotta or, like, sign a big star. People, so, you know, to really kick things off, WHW is just gonna sign fucking Ichigo Kurosaki. And people really... They're paying way the fuck too much to it for him because he's not that great. He's not that interesting. He can't do promos. He never really <laughs> could. <laughs> but people just expect to see these big shonen guys with super modes. Like he's got a whole lot of moves. Certainly, that's that's what he has. That's mm-hmm. what he brings to the table. But he has dozens of them. That you have to understand. A great wrestler, right, can have maybe five or six signature moves. That's just moves that recognizably belong to them that they use during the match and usually one maybe two finishing moves which is the move that they use to get the pin right to finish the match so his list of signatures and finishers dozens each runs well into the dozens potentially past yeah it's rare that you ever see him use one twice after an incident referred to generally by the fan base as the heart a very famous botch <laughs> he is socially distanced from the championship he still is out there all the damn time way too often the smarks cannot stand him <laughs> a smark in wrestling parlance is a smart mark which is to say someone who someone who follows the sport or not the sport <laughs> Someone who follows sports entertainment, there we go, with the same sort of head for numbers as a, like a baseball nerd who's really into, uh, who's really into all the various analytics and shit. Yeah, just anyone who's into it as much as someone called a weeb would be into anime. Exactly. They, they're the type, the type of, uh, nerd that's trying to get inside the writer's heads at any given time. Yep. You know? So amidst um, these notable heels, we have a crowd favorite, Lupin Three, Lupin the Third, who you know some people brawl through the audience or they do the stone cold thing, they fight in the aisles. Lupin special. Lupin flees through the audience. <laughs> he gets the fuck out. <laughs> he is just weaving between people there for a show to avoid his opponent. They're not always clued into how far into the audience he's going to run. Winning is less important to him as getting out in one piece, though he will often find a way to win, usually through some degree of cowardice. Now, this is not to say that he is a heel. He's, in fact, a tweener, somewhere between a baby face and a heel. He is the rare chicken shit tweener. He's a... Tweeners usually tend to be, like, big dudes with attitude who will beat the shit out of you. They don't care who you are. No, he'll, um... He'll cheat you in a match, and he doesn't care who you are. <laughs> Shades of Toriano. Alright. Now let's crawl under the learning tree for a second. A big thing in good wrestling, not so much some of the stuff on cable, is stables. Stables in wrestling are just, you know, people naturally coalesce into groups or teams or brands. You see it in everything from, you know soccer to UFC or what have you. I probably should focus on the UFC example given the combat sport thing. Mm-hmm. And in wrestling, they're just a big story telling tool, you know, of how people relate to each other within the stable. You have the stables relate to each other. You're traveling between them or into them or out of them. Often, 
and I would say the majority of the time they are uh, heels, but this does not always have to be the case. Yeah, yeah, there are some heroic stables like your Chaos or Late Shield, what have you. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with our favorite babyface stable, who are the Truant Triangle. <laughs> Fan favorite delinquents, all featuring black jackets and caps. So we get their leader, Great Teacher Onizuka. And his two, uh, his two pupils, Josuke Higashikawa and Kuwabara, from uh, from JoJo Part Four and Yu Yu Hakusho, respectively. Onizuka is here to teach them that there's more to life than kicking ass. There's kicking ass and getting gold. <laughs> <laughs> now Josuke, Josuke, he can fix anything, and he'll fix you good. He'll fix you good. He has the best hot tags in the business. Kuwabara, feeling smooth. Feeling smooth, he cuts some people's just favorite like mid-match crowd work, and the promos—they're not always coherent and they're never intelligent, but they're always great. great. They're always just wonderful. And when he's about to do his uh, when he is about to do his finisher, the crowd will scream along, flaming sword. Something I just realized is I should actually define a promo. Now, in your boxing or mixed martial arts land. Sometimes when you want more people to buy the match you're in, which is always, you will have to do some promotional interviews, at which point you will pretend this person is your blood enemy, has always been your blood enemy, always will be your blood enemy. And you want to kill and eat them. I want to kill and eat them. Now, wrestling took this concept and fucking ran with it because they have them before matches, after matches, in-ring vignettes, out-of-ring vignettes, it's, Twitter videos. In its most basic version a promo is a soliloquy where you describe why and how you're going to kick someone's ass next week and it's where the acting slash personality half of this really comes in like it comes in mid-match as well but a promo is just pure that aspect it's something that you should really be good at you don't necessarily need to be good at it but it never hurts when you are yeah yeah it's it's definitely one of your two hands in this entire medium so our next stable, because remember, this is us booking a wrestling promotion out of anime characters. We had to do it to you. Gundam Goon. <laughs> the permanent heel faction. The permanent heel faction. You're fucking bullet NWO, etc. We currently have three pouting-based psychopaths in this. Mikazuki August is making another appearance after last episode. He's their enforcer. He cannot cut promos. And will not cut promos. He has no interest in it. <laughs> he is just there to hurt people. Setsune F. Seihei from Gundam 00 will occasionally cut promos in a total fucking deadpan, less as a means of hyping people off and more as a means of just explaining himself. <laughs> what, is, what has just happened and what is about to happen to you? And they are of an extreme laconic character. What's the match? Setsuna FSA pinning target. <laughs> and Hiroyui, finally, from uh, from Gundam Wing. And the uh, the important thing here is, uh, you know, he's he's a bit like Kevin Nash, if you, if that name means anything to you. Super over, i.e. popular. People wanted to cut promos, do his one move. <laughs> Not give a shit, and then go home. <laughs> a, a, a lot of, you know, talking over people with promos, and... What can, what can they say? It draws numbers. You'll ask them to look at the adjective. <laughs> so naturally, 
when you have your permanent heel faction in these things, you need your plucky underdogs to oppose them and hold belts long enough for them to be taken away. <laughs> so for that purpose, we have the Macross faction. <laughs> Currently entitled Starcross. So we've got Alto from Macross Frontier from back in 2007. We've got uh, Neki from Macross 7 and Hikaru Ichijo from the original Super Dimension Fortress Macross. And boy, do they put up a fight. They really, they really give it their all. They really, they look like such goddamn heroes out there. And, you know, you really believe they can do it next time. But Gundam doesn't care if you're a hero. In Gundam, Goon, by the way, uh, Goon is uh, Japanese for army, and there are a bunch of just Japanese stables named Blank Goons, that's the Mm -hmm. sort of pun there, but in Gundam Goon, they've grown to fear their own deeds. (laughs) So our next stable is High Heat. Guys who are always hot-blooded, always yelling, promos that people will physically reach for their remote to turn the volume down to 30% for. So we have, because this is us, we have Domon Kashu, another, another Gundam might be a little bit overrepresented in this, it's, in this it, uh, promotion, but hey. It's possible. Naruto Uzumaki, he's there, he's yelling, as always. And uh, Shiro from uh, Fate Stay Night, you know... Oh, um, Naruto, through his particular brand of yelling and fr- and um, talk no jutsu, is responsible for more heel turns and face turns than any other character. <laughs> Consistently yelling, good things are good or good things are bad, and the other person, the, the light of comprehension will slowly dawn on their face as they realize they're living their life incorrectly. And then they get pinned. And as Sam said, we have Shiro from Fate Stay. As high job. <laughs> as high job. As he absorbs a number of pins. Unlimited pin works. <laughs> as he absorbs a number of pins, only possible either through magic or pornographic fixation. <laughs> he single-handedly resolves the imaginary employment crisis. Whenever someone on the stable needed to take a pin, it would be him. However, he would be why the stable was popular amongst online fans. And I think a whole lot of memes that came out of this uh, promotion would come from him and his dumb shit promos that are all very memorable, if nothing else. The sheer number of artful flubs, spoonerisms... Every promo comes with a new portmanteau that doesn't make sense, but is people lose if they are pinned. (laughs) I may lose, but you'll never pin me. (laughs) Sometimes his matches will start with the other person looking confused. (laughs) It's always magical when he can pull off a win. Okay, so the uh. The final heel stable. And currently, in this, you know, where we come in, a whole lot of the men's men's division storyline revolves around them and their machinations is the stable called Keikaku. They are a heel stable. They don't know what a clean finish is. They've got plans, and their plans have plans that run counter to those other plans. They seem to be new, but they insist they've been working behind the scenes all along. 
and their members include their frontman, Light Yagami. <laughs> People will yell, Justice Plan! Justice Plan! Justice Plan! When he's about to get the pin. It is the new Rusev crush. Rukuro Okajima, or Rock, from Black Lagoon, as their kind of second-in-command. He's their logistics man. He runs long, slightly expository promos about who's going after what belts. We've got Kiyotaka Ayanakoji from Classroom of the Elite. He's like... He's there. He's the guy who will bluff people, right? He's like he's kind of going to be on the uh, on the apron, making it difficult for everyone, you know. You know, he's making various gestures and actions that faces find so distracting they can get thwacked in the gonads before. There's Inaho from uh, Aldno Zero. From Aldno Zero. There's Inaho from Aldno Zero, who is the master of the quick roll up. <laughs> <laughs> he will. He will. Not even wait for the fight to happen. He will figure out how to win right then and there and then do it. A lot of his matches will end suddenly in defiance of what one would call a typical narrative or match flow because he is that ready for the flash pin. Uh, and the cruiserweight attached to uh, the stable. Often it, when you get like a big enough stable, you get um, one or two little guys attached to it as well. And they'll mm -hmm. have matches against the other little guys. That's the going to be Norman from The Promised Neverland. And finally, as we find out weeks before the biggest pay-per-view of the year, they have one more member. And no one knows where the signs were. But it was secretly Lelouch Lamperouge all along. <laughs> or as he'll be known in Keikaku, Zero. Zero. <laughs> this was the dude that they were reporting to, sort of a la the Dark Order from AEW. Just a man only referred to as Zero, and no one knows who he could be. The three people that did not see it coming will be accused of consuming paint. <laughs> the old paint from your pre-war building. Now, some very special singles competitors, some very special solo competitors. The Enhancement Talent. Now, a lot of these guys are put in before. Some of them will mostly win. Some of a mixture of winning and losing. Some will lose more than they win. These guys will just lose. These guys just lose. These guys are here to eat shit, fix everyone's numbers in the diagram. <laughs> and occasionally look good doing it. They are the team that your dad roots for, but always loses and curses at the television. You wonder what's going on, but while he's cursing at television, you have access to the beer. So you steal some of the beer and you go back to your room. I'm talking about my childhood now. So... <laughs> I'm just wondering, is your dad from Detroit? Because <laughs> you could pick any team. Any team across any sport. Yeah, that's a, it's a grim place to be for that. Now, these enhancement competitors are Itoshiki Sensei, a.k.a. Mr. Despair, who promos like hell before every match about some intense current event topic, and then is pinned within... I want to say a minute and a half of the bell ring. It's never even a fight. It's It always looks bad. And then after getting pinned, he will scream as he goes up the ramp, I could have died! What if I died? <laughs> People are never quite ready for what's going to come out of his mouth. Our next jobber, McEmployment Son. And it was not always this case, but... It was not always this case. This character went on a bit of a journey. You know, character development happens in wrestling. Like, that's the appeal. You know, the, there are these stories where things change. And Amon was built up for months as 
a mysterious force. The guy when... who's going to take the promotion over. They introduced him with a few just quick defeats of like established favorites, complete squashes. Remember when Dustin Rhodes was in WCW and he dressed up like a fucking Cenobite from fucking Hellraiser? <laughs> and then he actually got in the ring. And he cut a promo. It's like, why am I wearing all this stupid crap? <laughs> I so that, something like that. So until he finally unmasks and reveals his backstory one day to a mass crowd-wide reaction of fucking nothing. Not heat, not anger, nothing. No, no one gave a shit. It was the least exciting thing they'd ever seen. Many of them went to their phones. And he spends the rest of his career looking up at the lights. Because he is on his back, having just been pinned. For those who, uh, if 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 you're having a hard time picturing it, okay. So we got a couple more. So this is a, another category of um singles competitor. Not necessarily like formal fun saying, but a tendency that we find mm-hmm. and thought be good to replicate. This is our fan uprising category, which are people that we don't like, <laughs> or that the management didn't like in in the last case. But people imagine them like, but got over anyway. In spite of our efforts to bury them. In spite of our efforts to bury them, push them to the bottom of the roster or even out of the company. So the first one, number one, there was no other choice given our relationship to the anime community at large. It's Saitama. Fucking Saitama is the Daniel Bryan <laughs> of this fucking promotion. People fucking love him! I wanted to bring him in for like three weeks just to eat some pins. <laughs> Bury him, you know, sign a, you know, like sign a sign a contract that would be a couple of pay-per-views long, that sort of thing. Maybe drive the numbers up a little bit, and instead he caught the fuck fire. Everyone is convinced he is the best thing to happen to four sets of ropes around a ring. And management's pissed. Management doesn't get the the, the crowd will shout, okay! 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 Sort of in the way that they shout yes whenever Debra is around. Now, just when we think we have a semblance of control over things, that we've at least bought Saitama into our system of doing things, another force of fucking fanboy, and particularly fangirl nature, shows up. When Sousuke Uchiha enters the scene. Oh my god! Some audio is going to leak out from production of just using various extremely unprintable politically correct terms describing Sasuke Uchiha and his fans <laughs> and their mental capacity and various neurological disorders that people are born with. <laughs> but it keeps on going. It's a full on like CM Punk situation. If and when he is fired, the fans will chant the long ass full Sharingan name. Don't ask me to recreate it. Something, something, Magnyakyo Sharingan. I got... It's long. It's long and I don't care. It's like one of those old papal titles. The final member of the fan uprising. Which, this is less a character who would be... Who we despise. We both love this guy. But it'd be the sort of guy who you would not expect to get over and would have not had any help getting over. But would have gotten over all the same. Our guy, Yuishigami. Literally hired to job. Each time after he does so, he just says, I want to die, so I'm going home. It's 
It's something like an Orange Cassidy sort of situation where it's... Why is... You, you understand it. You don't understand it. You kind of understand it just a little bit. But it's like he, do, he doesn't want to be here. <laughs> he doesn't want to be here. And I guess that resonates with people. He doesn't actually want to win. But people people get that. People know what it's like to have to be at work. <laughs> Rent is coming. And for some reason, he seems to be in like the mid-card title picture more often than not. And eventually, he's just staring down the United States Championship in his hands, hard won after everything. He says, man, I wish I had a date. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up is another special category. A really special category that I like a whole lot. So, something you have to understand is that most wrestling promotions, by most I mean everyone that is currently funded on a major way, is basically orbiting around some millionaire or billionaire that's funding the operation. Mm-hmm. And they will be making the decisions about who fights who. And, like, really, and, like, on a meta level, not in a universe, but on the outside, right? There will be... They will be making the decisions about who fights who and who has the title. You know? And I'll often go to their specific peccadillos. The... The, the, the fans be damned they don't like this guy until they remember the force of the medium or force to sort of shelve the plan or they somehow thread the needle and actually get this guy popular mm-hmm. it's but a category after the WWE politics that we call Vince guys <laughs> <laughs> people we love who don't get over number one we thought about how this would play pan out Edward Elric we don't see it happening to, to be entirely honest his matches would be only interesting to Smarks, for the most part. And, like, even then, prob- probably not. The character himself is just not too amazingly well-suited to the medium of and the pro produce- wrestling. Yeah, and the producers will be shouting, He can go, he can do a 35-minute match! <laughs> and people in front yelling, I don't care! He'll be able to outthink them, it'll be great! And it's like, he's, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll never be, like, the toughest guy, but he always wins because he's the smartest. And people will just be flipping him off and throwing shit. They just, again, it, it, it will not connect with them because wrestling just isn't like that, right? And uh, then because he's Edward Elric, he will get into Twitter feuds with fans who will call him short. And then every, he will he will actually just search through Twitter. <laughs> he will search through Twitter using, you know, keywords just Ed Elric and short. And call fans slurs. You call them slurs. There'll be Twitter threads of these slurs. It'll look really bad for the company. Yep. It wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the man for it. So then, on a similar spectrum, Mr. Kogame, while highly pushed by the Dale half of real corporate, he's the detective from Psychopaths. Will just be found too quiet in general from fans. The once again somehow the silent badass. I seem more like a silent badass. Well, yeah, he's like that, but he's also kind of a silent badass. But like, what if you were like kind of like a silent badass? Well, that's cool, but he's like a badass, but who doesn't talk? I see him kind of coming out, and he doesn't even cut a promo because he's a silent badass. Okay, okay, but while he's not cutting a promo, he's also like not using any words because he's a silent. Badass. Much in the manner of a silent bad, yeah. He'd be all of his moves would be like way the fuck too grappling and techy, and uh, they they wouldn't they, they'd be impressive only if you were a wrestler and not many people who watch wrestling are in fact wrestlers themselves. It would have a fascinating effect on 
just general American culture of that many people were wrestlers, I think. Mm. Oh god, we'd have a fake civil war. And then the third the third Vince guy, who um goes a little bit of a different journey than the others. A little bit a little bit different because sometimes you can have a Vince guy who spends most or at least much of their career with Everyone fucking hates them. Like, they're pushed to the moon, and no one buys it. This is, like, your Roman Reigns of the world, who will, uh... The company wants them to be the big face of the company. They want them to be, you know, like, this is the guy that you associate with us, and he's our big hero man, and he, you know, like, no one can keep him down for long. And they refuse to approach the idea that there's any other way to do this character until one day someone just bats their eyes at the right producer the right way and they just let him try to face right and it fucking explodes and that's the best thing the company's done in years and so I want you to imagine a character such a character who you know goes through much of their career as this just really determined baby face type character who's maybe like a little bit too intense sometimes and that's like that's their kind of their main draw it's a little bit too intense really just wants it a little bit too much and no one really really buys it but then after a long absence they come back kind of changed a little bit repackaged you could say you know there have been some mild tweaks to the Aaron Yeager character (laughs) a failed comedy phase beloved heel who in his big heel turn Simply says, I just keep moving forward and fucking slams his finisher on one of his former allies. The scouted company was a beloved stable before his turn. Now there is just Aaron. (laughs) Holding titles fucking hostage. Also, um, you know, every promotion has its history, you know, um... Okada's rapidly becoming history with his spine, but that's another issue. Oh no... Right? But yeah, you have your Bruno San Martino, you know, who had the belt for fucking ever. You These days, we believe we'll talk about wrestling. You would count Stone Cold and that Stone Cold, of... um, I would count um, Antonio Inoki as one such. Uh... Yeah. An unfortunate thing is that they can sort of hover over who the company thinks will work or not work as they try to make lightning strike twice instead of just acknowledging the sort of malleable nature of things. And I like to think of Shar Aznable as would be once that like a former you know champion maybe alive maybe dead definitely not competing anymore but he has so many clones yeah like you know that <laughs> whole range of guys full frontal iron mask all those guys if you show up to whw with blonde hair and sunglasses we'll give you a shot <laughs> like any dude right it's like a vince gender flip <laughs> though we will take distaff chars as well i feel like it's happened by now, it must have happened. If it hasn't happened, someone, someone's asleep at the wheel. I don't know that it's happened in Gundam, but I'm sure that there's been at least one character in anime who is a female character who is also supposed to kind of be like like Char. Thalalaika. There we go. Yeah. Thalalaika, I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of Char uh, that went into her character. Drizzle. Now, one of the most important things for where your show is at the moment and where you're going Different who their challenges can be, because you know, generally you have your faces fight your heels. Heels fight your faces. Um sometimes you can have a good face face conflict sort of built on that tension of like you know, maintaining your standards of behavior, etc. 
sometimes you can do a heel heel thing and everyone just says why i don't care it just doesn't fucking work i, I, I don't know man so our world champion mm-hmm. our big man on top a person who just keeps moving forward <laughs> aaron yeager Still moving forward. WHW World Champion. Still pinning Giants on a career best run. No one can believe how fucking on fire this guy is. How on fire he is. He finds interesting match finishes. He's changed up his moveset. He's worked on the body. Just become a total 360 character. People hate him and love him. It's like Edge. Uh, yep, yep. Intercontinental. In, t- in terms of biting people in half, he is truly a rated R superstar. Mm-hmm. Or oh, Intercontinental. Or Intercontinental, the mid-card championship. Often in uh, wrestling promotions, you'll have the big heavyweight championship, and then you'll have another championship belt that's like slightly less important, and everyone kind of knows that's slightly less important, but it's good to have another you know, like achievement marker yeah, yeah, around it, like it gives, that. It gives stories more things to coalesce around. This championship actually tends to end up more important in promotions that have a weekly TV show. Yes. Because they can often move it around on free TV without fucking up their plans. They can just run more stories around it. Mm -hmm. In fact, the mid-card champion is often just referred to colloquially as the TV champion. Yeah. And sometimes the belt is even called the TV championship. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you will even just put people who are seen as a little more marketable but not good enough to carry the company as like in that sort of public-facing TV championship slot. That's a whole other thing. There's a lot of inside baseball when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. And who has the experience, the charisma, the sheer drip? (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking Supreme Goku. (laughs) It is fucking Supreme Goku. Who's at the point in his career where he's fine having a a less important title than he has had in the past. And, you He's know, just trying out a new gimmick. It's like, you know, the Undertaker doing the American badass thing. Yeah, oh, and, and like the American badass, he's, you know, he's kind of a silent badass. He's kind of a silent badass. He doesn't talk much, but he's cool. Yeah, he's cool, like... <laughs> this is not the thing is that it fucking works. It's one of those things that just inexplicably works. Oh, yeah, it works. It's just... Also, it, it's, it's fun to, it's fun to riff on. Much like the Undertaker, I have this image in my mind of, like, the lights go out, and when they come back on... It's him in his supreme hoodie with his hands <laughs> folded up on top of one another. If you look closely, his hat is closely stacked on top of another hat <laughs> of a different color. God, I hope that the listeners have fucking watched enough YouTube to know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> hey, um, if this doesn't make sense to you, all of this <laughs> babble about Supreme and Drip and Goku somehow being related... We're stroking out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm about to die. I've lost all <laughs> oxygen to my brain. <laughs> you were listening to the last flailings of a dying mind. Tag champs. Tag team wrestling is an integral part of the uh, of the art form, and thus, you know, tag team wrestlers. It's 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 a slightly different beast. There are different rules associated with it. There are different moves because you know moves that you do on your own against another person. That's one thing. Moves that you do in concert with another person against one or two other people. Again, it's different. I almost considered fully stretching the definition of weep shit all the way to fucking Pacific Rim and grabbing two of those mothers, but I didn't go so far. 
there's enough that we already have to uh yeah to draw from. But our current tag champions are fucking Setsuno Fsei with Mikazuki August taking it too far every week. These are the motherfuckers who will continue to beat the shit out of a guy after they've already pinned him. It's not a, a revenge thing or humiliation thing. They just want to reduce the number of competitive people in the future. There he's eliminating the target. Exactly. And it is beyond unsportsmanlike. I've noticed that all of our all of our champions are heels. You know, it's actually worth pointing out that some bookers just do have a tendency to lead the show with like face champions or heel champions more. You see it on a time like NXT and AEW are big examples of this. Like NXT is really a predominantly heel champion driven thing. Like Chiampa's heel run lasted forever. Karrion Cross is likely to hold the belt longer than maybe he should. <laughs> and face championship runs tend to be nasty, brutish, and short, especially if you're Keith Lee. Oh yeah, and, and with the AEW thing, well, it's probably slightly tilted by Moxley and Darby Allen getting just getting showered of the fucking love in that room, but I mean in in Moxley's case is because he's worked so hard for so many goddamn years and people were so fucking happy to see him, you know, doing his own thing and like he was he was gonna be over with everyone for a very long time. They probably could have gone even longer, but you know, he's got a kid on the way. I think he might the kid might already be here, but I haven't checked in a while. And JPW can go either way on the lower championships, but on the main belt, villains tend to either hold the belt very, very briefly, grumble, grumble, Jay White's new era should have been longer, grumble, grumble, <laughs> or they just drift into the face column a la Okada, mm-hmm. who just holds the belt until he's like, I think I'm good now. Not that I'm complaining. Fucking love him. Fucking love the NJPW bit. And finally, a, there's a wrestling thing across multiple promotions just the briefcase the briefcase i think chris jericho originally came up with this idea um and the idea behind the briefcase is that there is a special match probably at a pay-per-view that happens where a whole bunch of people compete for a briefcase and if you get the briefcase then you at any time get to challenge the current champion uh for a championship match that begins right when you say start the match uh, and, you know, it can happen in the middle of a match. It's, it is uh, great when a heel has the briefcase because it then it is... introduces this chaos factor. Yeah, it is very much more intuitively a heel thing. As a little side story, the most creative modern use of the briefcase to the point that it kind of broke it's... the concept was during it... WrestleMania. 35? I... No, no, no. It was way. For... It was earlier than that. It was like 31, 32. Yeah, just within the last five years. It's known now as, like, one of the better main events at WrestleMania. They call it the heist of century. The point is that there was originally this event that everyone was just irritated that this is happening again. They don't care anymore. It's Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. And Roman Reigns' old stablemate slash cackling archvillain Seth Rollins had the briefcase. And had a match earlier in the card to sort of mask this move. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Randy Orton. It was a different one. Or was the Aaron Orton? I don't fucking remember. It doesn't matter. Was it the one against H? Who cares? Now... (laughs) Not who cares, I need to dismiss it, but who, who knows is what mm-hmm. I was going to say. A lot of people know, watching this know, but whatever. My point. 
and I do have one, is that I want to say 10 minutes into this fucking match, Seth Rollins runs in like a fucking chipmunk on ketamine with this briefcase. He screams, put me in the match, and goes in and wins, and it's fucking awesome. It was magical. And who else could hold the ultimate Keikaku briefcase but Rock? You don't see him coming. You never see him coming. No one sees him coming. No one expects to see the things that uh, that comes out of that man's head. It would have been a major goddamn upset when he got the briefcase, and he will use it to successfully get that championship one of these days. Yep. The common, like, work-a-day heel thing is just use it, like, after the champion has, you know, won a match by the skin of their teeth, you know, their And they're beaten and bruised, and, you know, they're they're not ready to defend themselves, that kind of thing. And they come in and cash in, and it's, it's uh, that tends to be a good way to keep your hero's credibility, but move the title. Mm-hmm. And that's popular. Some clever things people have done with this. The briefcase is an interesting thing, so I'm going to ramble about it. Yeah. So some fun stuff that's happened. In Lucha Underground and in NJPW, and they're, they're cool with the briefcase, people can actually challenge you for it, which is just a fun idea. <laughs> Though it can be, if a hero wins a briefcase initially, it can feel immensely unsatisfying for them to just lose the fucking briefcase. I know that someone did the analytics on it, and at least in the WWE, uh, a lot of the time when a babyface wins the briefcase, they turn heel just because it's more threatening to have a heel with the briefcase the two non-turning heel solutions they have found of the briefcase other than the person just losing like a putz and then why why am i watching this show but i would say poor poor corbin but he's done fine for himself ever since the two interesting things they found was once a fellow named john moxley dean ambrose back then got it and cashed in it immediately <laughs> like he won the match for the fucking briefcase and on the same night cashed in the briefcase for a match which was great mm-hmm. i love that it also just fit the character sort of a, a wild man a wild thing if you will inside baseball joke so that's one thing and then there was a guy named rob van dam who kind of called his shot and challenged and said, at this upcoming specific event, I that is totally to my advantage. I want you to come in front of my fucking fans. <laughs> you corporate chill. And he wanted there. It was a whole thing of this legacy of ECW. No, not important right now. So anyway, that's the briefcase. We've been on for that, for that for a bit. Now, here's an invention of ours. The deep anime champion. The DAC. The DAC. A weight class exclusively for... Obscure, thinky anime. I mean, not obscure. The current champion is definitely not from an obscure anime, but it, but definitely from a deep anime. And that would be one deeply traumatized Shinji Ikari. Holding his bloody belt above his head. Saying, it was worth it. I did it. it. I did it. It was worth it. He won it from Lane. Yup. He's slowly sinking to his knees. Clutching it like the teddy bear from the mother he doesn't know. <laughs> there has never been a DAC champion with fewer than two entries in the DSM-5. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to our women's division. Mm-hmm. 
and we're going to start with our very special general manager for the women's division. And, you know, we we want something, you know, softer and fuzzier and more relatable. So it's Kyubei. <laughs> from, uh... From Madoka. From Madoka Magica. There have always been matches. There will always be matches. You signed up for this. Don't you remember? You, you have to keep fighting. want to make a contract for a match? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hardcore match, is it? Do you want to make a contract for a match? Why won't you answer me? Do you want to make a contract for a match? <laughs> okay. Alright, so our solo competitors for uh, for the women's division. So, right off the gate, right off the bat, I'm not even going to fuck around with you. We have Ryuko in here in a baby face. <laughs> we tried to turn her heel early on. The crowd said fucking no and kept cheering her. <laughs> She's still face. I want you to imagine the sound of glass shattering. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And if you know, you know right now. You know, you might say she's a stone-cold killer. Her weakness, if it can be called that, is that she's very easy to piss off. Very easy to piss off. Maybe just overextend herself into multiple active feuds. <laughs> it's fine. She's angry enough. She feuds with the owner all the goddamn time. <laughs> it's to the point where you kind of wonder how Raga would ever have time to actually run anything. <laughs> Amidst what appears to be an excessively personal vendetta. I'm just imagining the fucking Vince McMahon hospital spot. Raga <laughs> in the hospital and Ryuko comes in and beats the shit out of her leg. Great. <laughs> okay, another... Another solo competitor, Usagi from Sailor Moon. Now, Usagi is a face with um, sort of tweener qualities. A tweener is someone who's between face and heel. Like, a, I guess what a normal fiction is called a character of traits and opinions. <laughs> Referred to a uh, wrestler named Orange Cassidy earlier, who is popular people because he sort of matches the disaffected attitude of a lot of youth in a funny way. He is a mood, one could say. Her appeal is like that, but instead of a like, disaffected teen aesthetic... She is more of a vapid teen aesthetic. <laughs> like, she starts matches on her phone. Just poking around on it. Or, like, looking for her cat, and no one knows why this cat is so fucking important. Is often just too lazy to work. Yeah. Kind of a bum. Gets one or two time limit draws that she to that she could have won if she just really went for it seriously from the, ju from the jump. And it leaves the character room to grow. Mm-hmm. The next character, or the next wrestler, and one of the top heels of the entire fucking company. Probably the top heel. Well, her, her, and, her and our boy Aaron. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although Aaron is so immensely over that it's questionable if he's still even a heel at this point, honestly. Cult of personality. Nothing wrong! Nothing <laughs> wrong! Nothing! Oh, wait, nothing wrong, chance. Nothing wrong, t-shirts. <laughs> so, probably the top heel of the company right now is Revy of Black Lagoon. Utter fucking psychopath, headhunter. Intentionally injures people, works the injured leg, works the injured arm, does yeah. headshots all the time. Keeps going through managers because she just can't fucking act right. 
also just lost the belt and is currently freaking the fuck out about She's it. absolutely beside herself with rage. It would take one hell of a manager to put her back on track. Where's that story going? I, 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 you're playing Brock. Is I, the, I'm brilliant. Yeah, there, there, you, there you go. There's, there's the storyline. I'm like fucking Jado. Yoko Littner. Great worker. Good lucha things. Impossible vertical leap. <laughs> camera loves her. Camera loves her. She may sue the cameraman, and she has an extremely disconfitting fan community. Yeah, it's uh, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Don't don't read the comments on her Instagram. Just don't. Just don't fucking just don't, do it. It'll just make your day you're, worse. You're just you're just gonna go to this place. You're where you're wondering like how. <laughs> just what? <laughs> it's it's such a fucking. We were talking about it last night. Like ha. What, what percentage of the population is attracted to heterosexual men? You fucking <laughs> suckers. We got you. We got you. You fell for the scam. You fell for our tricks. There's no reason that you should find us attractive. Enjoy the smells. <laughs> so next we have someone who... The management is confounded by how over this person is. Sweet Seki. Remember her? Desu? The red and the green eyes. The maiden. If you don't get it, that's fine. Management doesn't either. <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those confoundingly over characters. No one really has a problem with it necessarily. They're just like, oh, that, okay, all right, all right, print some more merch. Three months into it, they just sort of hand her the mid card belt. <laughs> Let her hold it for a month and just yank it back. So, back in our face column because we need people for Revy to beat. We have uh, we have Madoka of Madoka Magica. And the bookers will do everything short of lighting her on fire for sympathy. <laughs> she takes bumps like fucking Mick Foley. They keep introducing characters in her orbit either to be beaten off the show or betray her. It's like fucking Sting. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, will, they will do injury angles. They will do hostage angles. <laughs> Brian Pillman will come on there with a gun. And it is supplemented by her willingness A to blade and blade excessively and B take Mick Foley bumps. Oh yeah, she will look like she will look like absolute fucking shit out there in the best way you can imagine. Also, you know, a relatively kawaii for the old fan fan sympathy there. Mm-hmm. So then you know we have a long timer, sort of used to anchor these divisions getting up there in age. Major Kisanagi, always after the deep anime championship, even when holding other titles. <laughs> Did a X2 belts run a la Conor McGregor, run of the world, and DAC in the 90s. It was a pretty legendary run. People still talk about it. Yep, yep, yep. Sort of an old pay-per-view anchor. Mm-hmm. We have, here we have another camera favorite as a Fujiko. Of Lupin the Third. Really just tweens her way through things. Um, Lupin simping for her has cost both him and her title shots on multiple occasions. They will do intergender stuff every now and again, either against one and one another or tag teaming together with one another. There are always rumblings that they, they might do more of the intergender thing across a promotion. It never really manifests. It never really quite manifests, except except for her. She seems to be the one most excited to do it. 
Also, did somebody say flash pins? Because there are going to be a lot of flash <laughs> There's pins. There's going to be quite a few flash pins. Oh, um, in our uh, lexicon here, a flash pin is... It's a really fun trick in wrestling where every now and again the real sport rules just interject themselves in a surprising way where instead of being hit by... I don't know, the top rope dragon pile driver 3000 before he pin, someone will just suddenly roll someone into a surprising position and get a 1-2-3 pin a la a sport. <laughs> and when it happens, people, they will always just look fucking shocked. <laughs> uh, a lot of baby faces win matches like this. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Remembering the rules of wrestling is considered... A baby face quality, yes. Yeah. And uh, on the opposite end of the technique tree... We had to. Fucking Aqua was in here. Kazuma! Now, when it comes to specifically using Aqua, I have to tell a story about our early integration into wrestling. It's mm. a brief one, but I like these little stories. There is a wrestler. She used to be terrible. She's actually weirdly improved a lot. Mm-hmm. Named Carmella. And what used to be the only notable thing about her, other than tanning salons <laughs> was the fact that she could shriek like no human I've ever seen like we colloquially referred to the volume of a wrestling performer's shrieking as a metric unit called Carmella's between 0. 0.1 and 1 so it's like 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 distance is measured in miles like if someone just screeched and cried like we'd say wow that was 0. 0.8 Carmella's <laughs> The reason I bring this up is that Aqua will always be screaming at 1.2 Carmella's. <laughs> like Carmella on, like, barbiturates. She'll do... <laughs> How the million dollar man is with waving money in his opponent's face to lose, she will be, like, on her knees screaming and crying and pissing and shitting. <laughs> and that is her strategy for winning. Just really trying to summon Cosmo in for an interference here, and in case it's not clear, she is a cowardly heel. Cosmo refuses to be her manager, he is functionally so. <laughs> he is also a cowardly heel. <laughs> a fellow cowardly heel, yes. Whereas she tries to invoke pity in others. I think if he were a competitor, we didn't list him, but you know, I'm thinking now he, he probably absolutely could be a competitor. Uh, he, um,. He will try to deflect blame. Mm -hmm. uh, deflect blame, try to get people angrier at others than at him. Now, a lot of times... And just lie, and lie, and lie, and lie. And lie again. Now, a lot of times in the old fisticuffs, you know, as you can tell, there's a lot of intentional routes you try to find for, you know, finding heat, finding ways to irritate people, finding ways to get villainous oh, backlash in wrestling. from audiences. I don't know that we, uh, that we mentioned it. Heat in wrestling is how... Um, I guess it is now known to be a more universal term, but mm -hmm. heat traditionally has meant um, acrimony, uh, fan acrimony. Yeah, fan acrimony, preferably the type that manifests in audible ways from your live audience as well. Like when you see the bad guy doing the bad things and you start screaming, we fucking hate you, that's heat. That's heat. You look for that. Yeah. You want that to build. Like, you uh, watched the original sci-fi war crime of Alderaan blowing up, and that got old Vader some heat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Heat can also refer to uh, a disagreement between two, uh, two wrestlers backstage, or, like, 
two wrestlers have heat is uh oh yeah yeah that's just them sort of overusing the language in between them for like personal s- stuff these these people need to go outside more so mm. the reason we bring this up is that she probably came in as a face and it probably did not work but someone said hey because we have Sakura Haruna in here. And she has what is referred to as nuclear heat. No one, no one on this fucking promotion is as despised universally as she is. And whenever they want free booze at any point, she just goes on about shipping for maybe 10 seconds and the booze just rained out. <laughs> and she can make fans by winning by losing, by appearing, by skipping matches. It's just magic. People just... It's not even go-away heat. They, like, they're intoxicated by how much they fucking hate her. They want to see more of her so that they can hate her even more. They want more. to come back next week so that they may have the hate experience again because it makes their brain release chemicals after lockdown. <laughs> and finally, amidst our singles competitors, we have Mikasa. Ackerman and um, if you don't know who that is uh, welcome to the Joe Rogan podcast today I'll be telling you how vaccines make your dick smaller <laughs> so yeah Mikasa Ackerman she has good flips the best lucha things she's, she's fantastic uh, fantastic physical performer fantastic technician crisp, can do flips it, like no one else it's crisp everything has velocity momentum precision here's the problem she cannot fucking cut a promo. She cut one once. She got one once, and, and it was they pretty used... good. It was like it was. She 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 talked about how she's strong, stronger <laughs> than all of you. And it was like you know, it's, 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 it was good. It was like it was pretty good. It was like a solid like seven out of ten promo. And in every video package <laughs> afterwards, and video packages are like these little hype reels that they uh, that they will slap together uh, in front of a pay per view match. Right to sort of you know tell you what the storyline is in every video package that they make, it will involve that promo in some measure. Yep. <laughs> it almost looks like the commercial break at this point. So then, we're uh, we're onto our stables now. We're onto stables. Same concept as the men's division. These are just groups of people that you know affi- are affiliated with each other. Sometimes they do tag matches. Sometimes they do singles matches supporting each other. There's probably a lot of cheating happening or cheating prevention. First, we have our face stable. The best girls. The best girls. It's person. made of the best girls. It's made of the best girls, yes. We have... Uh, There's Ochiko Raraka from uh, My Hero Academia. There's Mai Sakurajima from Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. There's Rem from ReZero. There's Raftalia from Rising of the Shield Hero. There, I threw you fucking Isekai trash a bone just now. <laughs> this is the most diplomatic shit you've ever done. And uh, there's, you know... You know, she was in K-On. Yeah, we... we you know, one of them. Nondescripta Moa Blob. She's, I, she's, I, I, the one with the hair. I don't know. And you, she, you, you pick. You pick which one it is. Whichever your favorite one is. I don't give a shit. Whichever your favorite one is, her role and purpose in life is to eat pins during three-man tag matches. <laughs> really just absorb pins for the tour. Then, there is... Is this a face stable? I think it's a heel stable. It's a heel. This a heel is definitely stable. a heel stable. Okay. So then there's a so then there's a heel stable. They are called. The they face got more heat blondes. than they could have ever expected. And yes, they are called the. Face Sorry, I got blondes. excited. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> they are 
akin to the beautiful people, but for Fate shit. I, I want to tell you, um, it wasn't Fate Zero, it was Fate Apocrypha. I think it was Fate Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. I was somewhere close to <laughs> ten episodes in when I realized that Joan of Arc was not King Arthur because of how infinitely interchangeable every single one of those characters is. There's a new one in every series, and it's always the same person, and I still don't give a shit. They are on the border of Funko Pop dolls. <laughs> you know how they are? Close to Mr. Potato Head. I think that is accurate, yes. Uh, so there's four members of this stable. There's um, there's a, a saber. She's blue. She's a blue saber. I mean, so is Joan of Arc, as I remember, who is yeah, a yeah, judge. Yeah, but she's a judge, which is a saber, but it's a judge mm. and whatever so you got blue and blue then there's another saber but this one is like a, a brownish red or reddish brown mordred i don't even know which one that's from but, but yeah she's another saber she's she's a darker saber all right in this position and oh is she color. like the, the the one with the santa bag or something like that no 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 that's our next saber oh nero yeah that's a four saber who is nero because you people can go fuck yourselves <laughs> God, what a terrible franchise. All of you should be ashamed of yourself. Do you, you, you... People understand you are like fucking bronies of fight scenes, right? Only bronies never took a steaming shot. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I didn't come here to make friends tonight. <laughs> Man, I didn't even come here with any friends. Mostly because I'm like this all the time. But yeah, the Fate Stay Blondes antagonize everyone they have a recurring habit of switching out which member of theirs is coming in before a match yeah two of them actually no we'll get to that we'll get to that they will uh they will do um shenanigans shenanigans okay so the next the next stable the next group is called less than three heel stable from from hell from hell they love everything the belts their opponents the whw fans They'll do anything for any anything. of them. Anything. Anything. This is a this is a slightly smaller stable of only uh of only three. Three hammers. Three hammers. You've got Himiko Toga. You've got Gasayuna, and you've got Misa Amane. In case it's not clear, this and they is... all brought box cutters into the <laughs> ring. <laughs> In case it's not clear, this is a Yandere heel stable. <laughs> and every month. One lucky baby face has all the admiration they could handle. Oh no. You just look so stressed at that title. It's okay. I'll share your burden. No, that's, that's her. Oh shit! Why don't you want me? <laughs> Alright. Also, to be in less than three, you have to be able to cut a fucking promo. You do. You have to be good at it, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. If I, if any of you have ever watched Victory Gundam, um, fucking legendary, do you know who the Shrike team are, and you know of their fate, and they would be, they would be a stable. They would show up to take pins. They <laughs> would. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> the executive branch. The executive branch is, I would call them tweeners. Just glancing at this list, I would, I would actually call them. A, you know, like, Attitude Era-esque babyface faction. I, I can dig that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so faces with, faces with an edge to them. These are, this, the theme here is that they're student council presidents. 
So we've got uh, Marie from uh, the underground student council president from prison school. Again, one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever read. Please read it. Please read it. The Crow Master. (laughs) The Crow Master. You have Satsuki of Kill a Kill. You have Kaguya, the vice president from Kagusama Love is War. And you have Shizune from from, um, Katawa Shoho. Intense as ever. And you have these four. Each of them says that they're the leader of the stable. It's hard. It's hard to gauge which one of them is correct. I think they might all be correct in some way. They have the most breakup false flags this side oh of, my Los God. Ingo- of Los Ingonables. It's almost a strategy for them. <laughs> they'll they'll pretend that they are uh, feuding within their group so that someone can try and sneak in and exploit their weakness, and then that will have been the plan all along. Followed by kendo sticks. And finally, uh, joining our Shrike team, we have some singles enhancement talent. Enhancement talent are jobbers. People who are jobbers. They, they, they lose. They, you know, we, we've been over it. It do be like that sometimes. The first one, Hyatt of Excel Saga, who just bleeds and bleeds and bleeds and bleeds and bleeds. Really just, if you need someone to sell your finisher, maybe too much, it's her. She just... She will, like, Seth Rollins sell your shit. She'll she'll look like you fucking killed her. <laughs> yep. Then, in terms of our great sellers, perhaps too much, Darkness, who will not only take bumps, who will not only take big bumps, but she will take bumps that no one asked her to. <laughs> <laughs> After the match is over. You'll hit her with a submission move, and as soon as you let go, she will throw herself off the apron. <laughs> <laughs> After the match has concluded and he she has lost, and you she are will blade. Face. She will blade herself, which is to yeah. say, uh, cut a place that is not going to be that debilitating of an injury, but will bleed a lot. The forehead is a very popular place to do this as a cinematic addition to the match and the crazy damage you're taking in these wrestles. Uh, done far more sparingly these days than it was in uh, years past, but it is still occasionally done. Especially if your name is uh, Cody Rhodes. Mm. In which case, it is, I think, part of your moveset. Roman Reigns has been known to do it uh, quite, a, uh, quite a bit. Good on him. Or bad on him. I don't know how... Whatever. Arma. Or Alma. Do um, you care? Do we care? I don't care. No, you don't. Like, the if, point if is, lying she's, is... From, she's from X-Arm. <laughs> and she's here to lose. <laughs> That she is born losing. She was a homegrown talent. There was a lot of pre-premiere hype, like, he's going to make the promotion, and she just comes in. She, she, and it's like the Shockmaster on steroids. She just <laughs> stumbled into the ring, visibly drunk. She sort of injured the other person a little. <laughs> Herself, too. She cannot work. She does not work. She tries to work, but she can't. And every week, they just try to end the match before she does something embarrassing or dangerous. She's probably only a couple weeks away from being released. Released being the in-house slang for fired. fired. All right, so our current women's division champs. World heavyweight champion. Ryoko Matoi. It's Ryuko. Ragyo spends about half her time trying to drag that belt from her. It's re- it's getting distracted to the point where you're not sure she remembers the men's division exists. 
She lets Lelouch worry about that and worry he does. <laughs> I have to imagine that Lelouch, like, part of the joy of watching this show would be watching Lelouch have his weekly fucking panic attack. <laughs> like clockwork. In the same way that you watch Wile E. Coyote fall into a ravine. You watch Lelouch have a panic attack on air. shit. The second one of his affiliates takes, like, a chop. <laughs> My plans! <laughs> Intercontinental. Contributing to Ragil refusing to basically acknowledge that men's vision even exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Is just Satsuki. And Ragyu is furious that she's only intercontinental champion. And to bad that Satsuki leaves her filth, aka the belt, off the show. So yeah, we're all child abuse all the time here in the women's division. And for the tag. No one's sure which two, but it's two of the Fate Stay Blondes. And, like, and it probably changes week to week. Like, probably two of them will show up with the belts who didn't have it you know, last week. Like, there, there are four members of the stable. Like, one of them, or two of them will have it one week. Yeah, I, technically, there are four members of the stable. Two of them will have it one week. Uh, the second two will have it the other week. And no one will actually have noticed that it's Dur- not the same two wrestlers. During um one or two pay-per-views, they'll try to switch one of them out with four uninjured one in the middle of a match. It might work. Just as a, as a heel tactic, it might fucking work. Uh, the executive branch is about to capture these titles from them. They don't care which one of you has it. They just know someone's, someone's getting pinned. Someone's getting a pin. They'll just pin you until it's the right one. Of course, some of the spice on top of a promotion is their special events or pay-per-views. This is your you know, UFC number 2XXX on Fight Island. <laughs> Thank you, Dana White, for... Fight I think Island. Dana White has indirectly saved pro wrestling despite being a ridiculous fucker and just expanding the overturn window of what makes sense. Mm-hmm. So one pay per view is called Anime of the Season. It's our Money in the Bank equivalent. That's where you get the briefcase. It's where you get the briefcase exactly. Uh, usually that involves a big sort of um not a battle royale but a big match where everyone versus everyone. It's like five or six wrestlers versus one another there's the annual outdoor event um wcw called theirs bash at the beach so ours is called the beach episode Mm -hmm. all outdoors some prop work some people going through tables and bikinis that probably shouldn't be that's the wall brother that is the wall (laughs) then there's our signature tournament middle of the year marker the tournament arc tournament arc it's called it's a pay-per-view called tournament arc Mm -hmm. it is something Slightly between King of the Ring and the G1 Climax. It's it's like King of the Ring, but there are full-length matches. And it's round-robin with no time limits. And it basically takes over the show for a month. It's at least four episodes of content, maybe more. And then it is capped off with a big, giant, long pay-per-view at the end. It's where the executive branch gets most of their breakup teasing done for the year. Yes, absolutely. It's where Gundam Goon breaks most of their rules for the year <laughs> there's power levels which lightly meta but loops in extensive fan predictions and betting in the build-up and presentation sort of a gambling motif 
and there are no gimmicks allowed at power levels because it's all a power wank pay-per-view. It is... What? Fox only three-stock Final Destination. Looks like in wrestling form. Yes. And then naturally, when someone pulls off cheating, it's supposed to mean more. So they do it a little more sparingly, but it's... It's still there. It's still there. And then there's our Wrestle Kingdom slash WrestleMania slash... Starcade. Starcade slash Double or anything. Just our yearly, you know, all plot lines blow off as the biggest show of the year. And so you think, you know, you'd have bigger production values, people trying to put on their fight of the year. So naturally, there was no other choice for the name. It's called Sakuga. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the production values happen. You'll, you know, like a celebrity will be hired or two, you know, to be there and be involved in some way. Either, yeah. you know, the music, the actual, you know, band playing the, playing the theme song live for one of the uh, bigger wrestlers. I remember um, at one point, Joan Jett showed up at WrestleMania to play a uh, bad reputation. So for, I know, uh, Sawano will conduct an orchestra at ours, I guess. God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Fuck, I would go there. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact, generally... This might ruin a future match because it happens all the time, so you can skip this if you don't want any random booking ruined for you. But if someone has a live band playing their theme song mm-hmm. at Mania or just any random, random event, they are totally going to fucking lose. They are about <laughs> to eat shit. It is the herald of failure. It's unfailing. I think someone ran the numbers. I think like 93.76% of the time or some shit like that. Holy shit. People who had a live band opening for them just got their right. Life yeah, that was in. When, uh, yeah, when Chris Jericho's uh, choir showed up, that was the night that he dropped the title to Mox. Yep, yep. That band, that is your funeral procession. <laughs> it is over for you. Anyway, I hope you guys had fun with this. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. And um, it ran for a healthy length, so uh, enjoy your commutes. Those of you who have um, who have those, I guess a lot of people don't anymore. That's a weird change. Uh, I do. Sam does. Sam relates. We will see you in the future. Also, I have a fucking book coming out, I guess. So... Oh, yeah, you, you should plug that. Yeah, I should plug that. I should start plugging that, I guess. Um, spring um, next year, uh, it's called Everything Abridged, and if you... If you love me, I guess save $10 and buy it. Like, I don't even care about making money. I just need to make it on the fucking bestseller list. Please buy that shit. <laughs> I will never ask you for a donation on this. Uh, once it's available for pre-order, we'll... Uh, yeah, we'll kick that link up. It'll. We'll make sure that you uh, that you can access the link very easily. Jeez, I might make, I might make clicking the site logo lead to that page. Hmm. Anyway, thank you all for listening. This has been Weeboo Hell. It's Weeboo Hell. Peace out.